Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. And hello and welcome everyone back to the return of the show. I am Ben and I'm here with my co-host Alex. And today we are talking about The Last of Us, Episode 7, Left Behind. Um, yeah, they, they did it. As the title says, they adapted Left Behind. The, this was a win. It sure was. And they followed the kind of pattern that people have been seeing of odd numbered episodes being absolutely a gut punch. <laughs> Just was, heart-wrenching. This episode was, um, again, really good, really good episode. I actually had a lot of trouble watching this. Um, and yes, it was an incredibly sad episode. Uh, but the cinematography in particular, I got to throw shout out slash hate to it uh, because it was beautiful and gorgeous. But they did something sneaky that I didn't like. They used a technique that is commonly used in a lot of horror where they would hide a lot of vertical shapes in the background, causing you to, um, if you expect something to be there, you might see the silhouette of a man, or in this case, a zombie or the infected in the background. So the entire time I was watching the episode, I was suffering from like, oh, I know that there's infected in here. I think I see one in the background and it just kept being like all these beautiful scenes. And I'm too focused on like, when's it going to happen? When's the shoe going to drop? 
which yeah, that was something I was kind of uh, lurking on, like the no game spoilers and the game spoiler uh, kind of discussion threads on Reddit um, because I just. I knew what was going to happen, so I was like, maybe that's what make is making me like so anxious for the whole episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it, nothing good ever stays in this show, so I'm sure people who haven't played it also were like very uneasy. Well. It's because, like, here's the thing. Because of dramatic irony, like, we... Not dramatic irony. Oh, actually, yeah, dramatic irony. Ellie says in earlier episodes that that's where she got bit, and she implies that she lost someone there. So we we do know that something's going to happen, and it's going to be involve the infected. I wasn't expecting one dude, like, how it happened. I wasn't expecting it to be such a small thing compared to everything else we've seen. But like, yeah, in the game, it was a horde. Oh, oh God, that's so which just realistically, it's like, you know, how much are we expecting a 14 and six year, 16 year old to like how many infected people are we expecting them to fight off? So I kind of like that. It was just one. Yeah. Kind of one infected who was very strong. Because one, I think was more realistic. Um, And then two. I don't know. I don't feel like we needed like this huge battle scene and all that violence to like get to the point of the episode. Agreed. I think it's actually really effective that it's something so small in the grand scheme of things to really make you feel like, yeah, this world is just out to get you in like one slip up because even then you have to remember Riley's been sleeping there for days and has never woken this guy up. Like, that's that's the thing that like really gets me is like they probably felt totally safe in there and then just right in the Halloween store he pops up it's a bad time and ugh but yeah no the great episode um I was entirely too anxious watching it when I went back to make today's thumbnail I actually got to appreciate the scene with them both on the carousel instead of anxiously looking at the background to see if there was something coming to get them. Yeah, which, I mean, to get into the scene, and uh, I I guess let's just, we'll talk about the kind of, like, bookends of the episode at the end, because it feels like we both want to focus on the main meat of this episode. The Um, girls. uh, Yeah, it was just, like, it was so nice to, like, see Ellie as a kid, like, as much as she can in this world. Um, And then I think they did a really, really good job just kind of capturing like how you feel when you have like a crush when you're that age and you're around them and you like feel stupid and oh, what do I look like right now? What am I saying? I mean, oh, they did a really good job it, with that. It was so well done. The um honestly, I'm kind of even surprised by the Fedra school stuff because Sure, like, we're only there for a little bit, and it's like, ah, yes, they're fascist dicks. They make a really big point of saying this many, many times. But at the same time, like, she's essentially getting a talk, like, she essentially gets sent to the principal's office and has a talk with the principal. Like, it felt like normal teenage life to an extent. Which Yeah, I mean, it really, if you saw the show out of context, or if you saw that kind of series of scenes out of context... 
um, and you hadn't seen the show, I don't think you would realize it's set in a like a post-apocalyptic world. I mean, except for like a couple uses of like quarantine zone and things like that. Otherwise, it seems pretty normal, which was really fun. I also really enjoyed um, Terry Chen, who plays the captain, who kind of gives her the talking to, because it kind of really sets you up for like why she's not so super gung-ho to join the Fireflies. In that, you know, she has, this is the only life she's ever known. So, you know, somebody extending that kind of like tough love and kindness to her. um, It's like kind of the only future she really has that isn't going to be miserable. Yeah. You know, in those circumstances. No, I kind of, I, I really did love like how it was still displayed as like, sure, Fedra is kind of horrible, but the pieces of these are all very human. Like mm-hmm. they, they make an active effort to humanize that officer when we meet him. Like the first thing we see is the pictures of his family. And then he's having this conversation with Ellie as if she's an actual child breaking down like everything for her on just like kind of how the world works in this situation. And like, I just had to appreciate that scene so much. Of course it immediately gets essentially not tossed to the side, but challenged the second that Riley shows up. Also, by the way, Riley what an entrance. Yeah, that was so funny. And also I did love the, yeah, the dialogue of like, I thought this was like, this was better in my head. I thought you were going to love it. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, that's just so like age accurate. Um, yeah, Let me do Storm a horrifying. Reed was so, so good as Riley. I thought she was phenomenal. Yeah, I, I do love the energy of let me just do a terrifying prank that most people would activate their fight or flight because that that's what kids do. It is, yeah. it's fully on brand. The, the way that she like makes her entrance and like we it's such a good character introduction as well to like act as a foil because you we got this feeling that Ellie was a feral child the entire time. Riley's even more so to the point where she is perfectly capable of bossing Ellie around and uh it it makes sense why they work. Like Yeah. She she makes Ellie seem like the I don't want to say the the cool-headed one, if that somehow makes sense. They're still both feral. There's just a level of removal that there is. Yeah, it really... Um, she just also has just kind of like a gravitas to her that really kind of made um, all the work Bell Ramsey did to make Ellie just like this awkward 14-year-old. It like really shines. I just was noticing even more the way she like just walks in this episode I was like it's so good (laughs) it's I'm just like I I know you know I've known 14 year olds who are like kind of tomboys and they just like walk like that um so yeah that and we really got to see some amazing character work and acting from both of them yeah, it's the it, honestly, I would call it like the awkward teenage waddle, uh, especially <laughs> yes. like, like as they're looking at um, 
God, as they're looking at Riley, that's like really what gets me is just sort of this like kind of weirdly keeping pace, looking at feet, looking at them, then looking at feet in like Bella Ramsey. We've known to be a really, really good actor and performer, but this episode just kind of solidified like the range that she has with a single character which mm-hmm. I think is just super important to like really highlight. And then of course, Riley's going in and she's going on about how she's joined the Fireflies and the way that Bella Ramsey's character cannot stop yelling at her, even though they are in the middle of a place that you should not be yelling these things is just like absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was really, I mean, it for... <laughs> For the most part, it was a very fun episode. <laughs> For the most part. Once we got into the mall, that's when my fight or flight was just like on at all times. So like, I feel like I need to rewatch the episode almost to like really appreciate like all the sweet moments. Like, sure, there there's the dead guy moment beforehand where they just find this man with really good alcohol. Um and then it, there's, like, everything leading up to the mall, which is just kind of fun. But once we were in the mall, like, again, as I said in the beginning, their use of cinematography really just got under my skin to the point where I was having trouble, like, focusing on the really sweet moments with them, especially, like, how obvious it was that it was a date. Like, all the effort that Riley put into it. Ugh. It, it, it's so cute. Yeah, I, well, I think part of it, too, is, like... um for the characters, it's not necessarily a creepy setting, but for us, an abandoned, dilapidated mall is always going to be a scary setting. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter how how much sweetness is going on; it's still gonna be like it's gonna have you on edge. Um, the I mean, the set decoration and everything for this episode was. Oh, beautiful. So good. Um, I love that our infected guy was <laughs> in an American doll store because, of course, there had to be creepy dolls. It was, honestly, it was such a good touch. Um, I, I don't know if the game had access to all those brands, but they really let them all just stick in there. Um, I have to give a positive shout out to the cinematography and the, uh, honestly, the, the, uh photography direction with this um the opening shot that we get to the mall when all the lights turn on is the mm-hmm. color scheme and makeup of the lesbian pride flag um which is just like a nice little little note to make sure it's just like oh yeah no this is this episode's going to be very gay um but it's not it, it's subtle enough that it's not like obviously that also I'm have you watched white lotus uh, not yet it, it is next. I am like... Oh, it was just like all I could think was there's just a quote from the second season. Um, it's like, the gay, these gays, they're trying to murder me. Um, and that's how I feel about this show so far. I mean, Ellie Ellie is a gay and she has tried to kill people. So so that is accurate. The Yeah, mostly like the just emotional- like emotionally murder me, but... Oh, yeah. yes, that, yeah, that sure. too. We, we have been absolutely obliterated by all the gay romance in this. Also, I feel like a lot of the romance arcs are actually just queer people so far. Because even though 
Joel and Tess were an item, we never actually got to see them get together. That's not really been an important element in the story. It's been much more Ellie focused. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it doesn't happen a lot and it's been fantastic. And uh, honestly here for the representation and, uh, it's it's making it very clear where it stands. Now, speaking of cute lesbian things, we got to talk about the um, what was supposed to be four, but ended up being the five wonders of the mall. Uh, first off, we have the accidental addition that made it five, the escalator, um, which talk about just a fun thing to add the idea that someone that's grown up in the apocalypse would be so excited about an escalator is just like that's one of my favorite things about ellie is she always has this pure childlike joy when she's discovering something from like the past world and past lives yeah and it's it's like so it's just so fun it all of the little um yeah wonders of them all were they're great and it because it's kind of is like what you would go after school and like if you went to a mall. Um, also, I'm imagining most malls across America now kind of look like this mall. Um, can't remember the last time I was in one. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I live in major cities, so I'm imagining those malls are still kind of going, but I'm imagining most malls in middle America um, look like this because I've seen some pretty empty ones. Uh <laughs> but yeah, it's just, you know, like what you would do after school if you went to the mall and you're like, ah, let's go do, we're going to go on like carousel, like let's go take pictures with your friend in the photo booth and um, go play at the arcade. The, the arcade. So it was, yeah, it was like, it was just like this like love and youth and fun persisting despite um, kind of the shitty circumstances. Yeah. The, um, Honestly, one of the really neat things from this episode is we got kind of a peek into Ellie's taste of music, which is all, and like, I'm not saying this because it was 2003. It's all like very retro. It's a lot of like 80s through 70s. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that's also, she has a cassette player. And that's what was, well, no, in the 2000s. I mean, so because she probably doesn't have access to very many like more modern cassettes that's true i just logistically a little bit and then a lot of people are pointing out that um when they talked about bill's like music coding that 80s meant danger um so i don't know if that was intentional or oh that they put take on me yeah like if that was coincidental or if it really was intentional but there was I, danger. <laughs> meanwhile, I, I was just like, this song slaps. But actually, no, I think they, that may be intentional, though, because um, at the end of the last episode, they had a cover of Taking a Ride with My Best Friend that was acoustic, which is also the song that played at the end of episode one. Um, mm-hmm. And if 80s is meaning danger, that's when you're lining it up. Episode one, they're going out into the wilds. Test dies the next episode. At the end of this episode, um, at the end of the last episode, Joel is impaled and about to go through this. Um, Danger's pretty prevalent there. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you went back through more of the mix and the um, run of the show, and if there's always 80s music, I wonder if it's always preceding something horrible happening. Um, Even if it is like 
in this case, a really beautiful moment of just like, oh, this is just a great soundtrack moment. Like I, I fully was into it. But yeah, that that's actually a really good detail. Now, I think he might. I'm going to choose to believe you're right is what I'm going to say there. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, the other fun bit is the addition of Mortal Kombat, which I only realized uh, from watching the post show that she had a Mortal Kombat poster in her room. Oh, my God. I clocked that right away because I was thinking about didn't we, we did a return of the movie on uh, the most recent Mortal Kombat. So. I as soon as she when she was like sitting in bed, I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. And it, I lo- I was looking at the wall because I was thinking like, um, I love that even in this situation, like uh, kids would still be like plastering, literally whatever they can get their hands on, like up on the wall. Um, so I'm imagining all of these are coming out of like old magazines that they've found or like they're literally dumpster diving and finding things. Um, yeah. But yeah, I loved the Mortal Kombat. And uh, oh, first of all, uh, The Return of the Movie, our sister podcast, you can find on all podcasting platforms um, as well as our YouTube. But the actual, uh, <laughs> as far as the gameplay being played was concerned, um I loved the fact that neither of them knew how to actually play the game, even though Riley definitely had a serious leg up on her. The Yeah, it was still like, just smash the buttons. Basically. Smash the buttons. They barely had, both of them were barely like getting a handle on the joystick. I think if I was watching correctly, I don't think Riley's character ever moved. It was just Ellie, but like Riley was beating her up, even though she was the one moving, which again... I remember like (laughs) doing the arcade when I was young and not knowing how to use those controls and just like there's so many moments in this episode that are pure joy that I really want to go back and rewatch because like I just want to appreciate them for what they are and not feel anxious during them, which um, I I think is like my one gripe about this episode is that I I didn't get to enjoy all the cute moments. Yeah, I mean... uh, I think the DLC is like, I don't know, maybe two and a half to three hours. So there's like obviously a lot more that doesn't get covered in in the episode. So if you want a little more cute lit, cuteness, you can oh, always I sh- watch that as well. I, yeah, I love, and you know, finding out like where the pawn book comes from and... Oh, God. That, that was like an immediate, like I started like awing at the screen. That... So was it implied that they had two pun books? I forget if Ellie has been carrying she, there's one. The yeah, there's one on her nightstand. The first one is on her nightstand. Interesting. So follow-up question, has she been traveling with the second pun book? Or has she been traveling? Yeah, because with- I'm assuming she... Well, not assuming. She never went back to her... Oh, you're uh, right. Like, dorm room. So Because oh. she's wearing this outfit in the first, like, couple of episodes. Oh, yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. It she would have had to come straight from this incident to the Fireflies, and only yeah, had what I she mean, had on her. You're you're absolutely right. Yeah, because obviously the Fireflies probably were like, "Well, let's go get our bombs," and uh, they find her and n- not not Riley. Um, so that's when those kind of storylines coincide. Yeah, you're right. They would have had to 
it would be coming directly off of each other, which honestly for me, like the entire way that this episode ends, there's a horribly sad implication that just rides off of that. And I guess we got to talk about the fucking Halloween store if that's the case, because this is this is the cute and then really sad part. Obviously, um, obviously they get they they get their kiss in. They they realize that they're they realize that they're both into each other, which I'm sure for them and based off of like a couple other themes in the show, I wonder if it's a still homophobic society. Or I wonder if it is just a, um, a, or if it's just a product of like not knowing if the other person likes you. Yeah, I think it's more just um, not knowing if the other person likes you. You don't want to make it weird. This is your friend. You don't want to lose that friendship. They also room together. Um, but even just thinking about that scene makes my heart so warm. It's just so sweet. And like having your first kiss and the other person that you like likes you. It's just so unbelievably heartwarming and sweet. And the idea that Riley is like, you know what? Fuck it. Like we're going to figure it out. I like, I, I don't want to leave you obviously, which I think is kind of, she never did. And that's kind of like her, her bringing her to the mall is like, I don't want to leave her. Like I want to spend more time with her. And I mean, obviously it leads to both of their demise, unfortunately, but sets Ellie off on this journey. Yeah. It's this, I mean, it's, it is this really bittersweet thing because for her, that was her trying to say goodbye because the fireflies were going to move her. But at the same time, it was a last hurrah of, doing this with Ellie and potentially winning Ellie over to be with her. And of course they come to that moment and unfortunately they stay together in more ways than they wanted to on that. Um, obviously the infected gets in, they both get bit. And this is where the bookend becomes really potent. And I was wondering why they were treating it as a frame story in this of, uh, Joel telling her to leave and then her slamming that door. And then we go to this flashback. And then once this happens, we cut back and we realize, Oh, she didn't leave the building. She's raiding the place for supplies to try and save him. And then we get to Riley's moment with her of, we could take the easy way out. We could kill each other or we could just ride this out together and spend our last moments together. Which, yeah, and I mean, I that kind of shows a really core difference between uh, Riley and Ellie. Riley had a family, and you know, she even says like, "I had a family. I was part of something." Um, and Ellie's never known that, so Riley kind of just gives her this lesson of like, even if we have a really short period of time left, I want to spend that with you because I'm imagining she would give anything in the world to just spend a couple more minutes with her parents. Um, so she's not going to give that up with Ellie. Yeah. Which ultimately saves Ellie's life. And the really sad thing here, the thing that like I, the episode ended and I went, Oh no, is you realize that Ellie probably had to watch Riley turn. 
And yeah, and you we that that's left up in the uh, game as well. We don't really know for sure exactly what happened. Um, if she just, you know, is able to run away from her, if she has to kill her. Yeah. It's, we can definitely uh, presume that the Firefly showed up somewhere in the interim and picked her yeah. up. Yeah. And yeah, which speaking of the Fireflies, I did want to bring this up. So in the first episode, they talk about how they've basically done almost jack shit in the last 20 years, but they're very conveniently telling the 16 year old that they've turned other quarantine zones in the country and the Fireflies are running them. And that's like part of the reason she's joining them. And they're going to ship her off to Atlanta, which is where they make uh, like drugs and stuff. Like that's where uh, the soldier says he's getting drugs from oh, to Joel shit. in like the first episode. So she's probably going to be invo- involved with like making stealing drugs? drugs. Yeah, they. I mean, they they just straight up lied to her, which they can do because she's sixteen. Oh my god! I didn't even catch. Oh wow, that does not make me like. I- you know what? I was on the fence about the fireflies earlier, but that like really. Just said it for me. Wow, that's bad. Ugh, okay. Yeah, not, I not mean, a fan. not to mention they have a 16-year-old living in a place that they're kind of sure there's no infected in. Just guarding pipe bombs <laughs> by and, herself. And then they're, yeah, they're wrong. And what makes this worse is like, if we're going with the video game continuity, apparently there's a horde of infected in there, which is good. Ugh. okay. Yeah, that's, fireflies are no bueno. I don't think we stand the fireflies in this group anymore, especially. Mm, no. That's, there wasn't really an anymore because I was already kind of on the fence about them. They seem like they're a not well-run organization. And I think, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's going to be important foreshadowing to the end of this journey for season mm-hmm. one. Yep. For uh, sure. Fireflies are probably not the brightest bunch. Not not the best. They are not the sharpest tool in the shed. It's, it's a bad time. And God, I'm like, this episode just really had me kind of feeling it. And, the entire focus here for me was like, this is the story of Ellie's first loss. And like, clearly she's experienced this throughout her and Joel's journey already. Tess wasn't really her loss, but in the, um, it, Sam and Henry absolutely were. So like, we know that these are characters that at this point have already gone through plenty and yeah. And I mean, loss is in like, like death just like just really right in front of you um which i think they also really highlight with kind of both of their reactions after they get bit with ellie kind of just absolutely freaking out and smashing things up like this is you know she's only known injustice and this is just like the cherry on top of it all for her um but Riley is just like so quiet and still because she's experienced like horrible tragedy at a young age. And so, and see, she says earlier in the episode, she saw her parents dead. Um, so she just is kind of like 
accepting it because it's she's been around that block before. You know, it makes me wonder about something else that they've been poking into with Ellie, and it's the whole, like, ah, Ellie's a sociopath argument, which oh, we have definitely ruled not a sociopath. However, I do think Ellie is violent. Um, and part of me wonders, like, Joel himself is not a, necessarily a peaceful man. And if there's anything I know about both of these games is that both of these characters are apparently an absolute goddamn menace to society give, at both of their heydays. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the reality is she's just grown up in a violent world. Like, how is... I don't think there's any other way for her But I think to you could make the same... Act, you know what I mean? But you could make the same claim about Riley, but Riley isn't having the same sort of explosive reaction to something bad happening to her. Even it's even something this terrible, she's reserved and she's focused on the moment and the people that she loves in the now. She's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like she experienced her parents dying and that kind of just gives you, gave her a sort of like a, this worldly wisdom of, you you think acting like like that didn't really win her anything. Yeah. Interesting. Cause I feel like, I feel like Ellie, we've seen a lot of this that she she seems to react, I don't want to say poorly, but like she's still a very violent kid. And I wonder if, even if this wasn't being done well, I wonder if that is a character trait that they are trying to get at with her in all those moments that everyone has been like, she's a little sociopath. I wonder if they're trying to supply some hints that she could be violent in the future. Because to me, it feels like that is a legitimate character. That is a legitimate character trait that we are seeing here. And perhaps it Mm -hmm. does get reeled back over time. But over really intense loss, like we see here, I wonder how much that's going to be represented later down the line. Because this is not the end of the road for these characters. Yeah, I mean, I... uh... I would say I think she just is just a product of her environment. I also don't, like, I mean, I don't really think she's reacting in a super crazy way to finding out (laughs) you're going to die very soon and the person you love most in the world is going to die very soon, too, (laughs) in the most unfair way imaginable. I mean, I think she has a pretty, like, yeah, I I understand your reaction. Um, Yeah, it's reasonable. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty reasonable. But, you know, like, and then, yeah, to get to the kind of bookends of this episode, too, she, um, we leave Joel, he's fallen off the horse. She obviously gets him back up on the horse somehow, and they make their way, oh, I, sorry, he's not up on the horse. They clearly dragged him because there's, like, a trail with blood in it. Um, Yes. But she gets him to the house, and... Yeah, man, Pedro Pascal, he's got like three three fucking lines in this whole episode. I was like, oh, good. You know, he's, he's saying like, you you should leave. Like, I'm going to die and you should like go back to Jackson. Like, my brother will take care of you. Um, and as Ellie is like walking up the stairs, just like tears streaming down his face. Ah! And then when she comes back, ah, 
and they squeeze hands. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the cross cut between that hand squeeze and the and the and her holding hands with Riley like really got me in it. Uh, the obviously he's still around. Like they managed to get him through. I'm so like this is this is a defining moment for Ellie as far as her character is concerned because I don't think she's ever successfully saved anyone until this moment. We saw her attempt to do it with Sam, but this is like this isn't the infection. She's not trying to save someone out of her innate heroism as like the savior. She's just trying to do it for someone she loves because she doesn't want to lose them and she's not going to give up on them the same way Riley didn't give up on her. And like, that's it. I was so wondering why we were doing this book. And then the second that that started coming together, I'm just like, that's it. And I'm sad. And I guess we have to wait till the next episode now. Cause suddenly there's Raiders again, which I'm bad. I, I don't, I don't know what's up with this show because I feel like we're jumping like each episode has like uh, a mini oh, story. Oh, the next arc. episode. Um, yeah, sure. You know what? The next episode's gonna be good. That's just where I'll, that, I'll that's, leave it. It's gonna be yeah. It's gonna be an interesting one for sure. All right, exciting stuff. Well, sterilize wounds before you sew them up. <laughs> hey, you know what? Because it is, it's gonna be an even numbered episode. I think we'll be fine. I, we have established next episode safe. Yeah, but it's the second to last. So. Oh. Shit. Think all you're, bets are off at this point. Ah, you're right. You're right. Damn. All right. Well, um, let us know if you cried. And uh, if next episode <laughs> is, if the next episode. We should ju- it's not, it's not like even let us know if you cried. Cause I'm pretty sure there's like a moment. Understandably you would cry in almost every episode. Maybe we should have a cry meter. How much did you cry? Like how much did you cry? Was it enough tears to water your plant? Was it enough to just like roughly taste on your lips i i don't know where i was going with that i'm just like there's how do you measure tears is it enough for nutrients or is it just a little was it maybe like rate them with like um the levels of like the infected like is it a clicker just a little okay cried we're done this is a stalker no we're crying Um, a little bit here i (laughs) is it a bloater you spent the entire day emotionally distressed yeah i'm gonna imagine episode three after that bloater for sure (laughs) you know bloater i barely knew her (laughs) anyway that's a great place to end yes and with that thank you all so much for watching this has been the return of the show please like comment and subscribe and we will see you in the next one take care
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.